This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. All right, then, let's talk about your new app, um, AirSynth. So you're getting ready to release it, if I'm reading your tweets and messages correctly. Um, yep. Where, where are you right now as we record? Where do you, where, where's the app? Right, so the app is pretty much good to go. There's n- nothing really left to develop on the app. Uh, so I am literally at the stage now where I'm sort of pulling together things like screenshots, making sure that the website is correct, and making sure that I'm good to go to to submit to App Store Review. Uh, all the boring so, stuff. All the boring stuff, all the stuff that I've been put, putting <laughs> off, um, including reaching out beyond Twitter and actually letting other places know that this app is on its way and exists. Uh, okay. <laughs> so How's I've not... Gone? I've I've not done that yet, so that is kind of in the process. My plan at the moment, and this is really not the right way to sort of run uh, an app launch, to be honest with you, but, but my plan is that I will be, once I've submitted to Apple um, for review, then I will actually be spending my free time at that point uh, reaching out to different websites and Facebook groups and, and um, doing that sort of pre-release kind of warm-up. Um, mm-hmm. kind of a press release i guess um, but i'll be using the test flight build and uh, a test flight public invite to invite people from those places to to take a look so i'm not actually dependent on the app store review and being able to do um, like a promo code or anything like that yeah. um, i can just uh, give people the public test flight link if they want to check it out ahead of time uh, that's cool pro- yeah and that, that's probably the right way to to do it the the way i the when I said that this was the wrong way to go about it, um, is coming from the point of view of I should probably have been warming places up a while ago rather than just waiting until I was about ready to launch. Uh, but th- th- this app is not my typical kind of app in a sense of I've not def- I've built it without defining a um, a specific audience, a specific type of user, and thinking about it from marketing terms. I've just built it because. I thought it'd be cool and I wanted to have a play. So do you think in in that case, do you think it's going to be more of like a, an impulse purchase for some people that go to buy it? Yeah, I think so. And, and it's going to be free as well. So it's free with an in-app purchase. So, okay. you know, if anybody wants to check it out, they can, they just don't get all the voices. Um, it's, right. it's pretty much the, the deal with it. You get like a, a couple of default voices and, and that's it. So part of me wonders if you're better off going paid up front. Just like yeah. 99p. Yeah. Just for like an impulse thing, because I think the impulse would have worn off by the time you've explored the freeness, and then you're unlikely to see any conversion. Now, yeah, I could be completely wrong. I mean, I'm, keep, keep in mind, I had an app business that failed. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe don't listen to me so much on this, but that, that'd be... I'm, just, I'm trying to think back to um, some of the apps similar to this that I bought in the past. What was that one? Is it Smule, the thing with the ocarina? Yeah, we sort of blow into the mic on the phone, and you sort of play it like a well, an ocarina. Um, I mean, I think I paid, I think I paid for it like a quid or something, and mm. I maybe used it like five times, and then never used it again. But still, I was like happy that I had it because it was mine then. Yeah, you're playing um, for, paying for the experience of of having a play. Yeah, uh-huh. and and that, that and it was like a cool thing to show your mates, you know, um, and have a mess around with because it was kind of especially with yours, it's sort of a social thing, I would imagine, because um, it's like a 
Can you just explain what it is? It's a, what's the name? What's the, what's the name of the thing that you're kind of making? Okay, so the app is called AirSynth, but the instrument that it is kind of emulating is a theremin. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. So theremin right. is, um, is a musical instrument based around moving your hands in between um, a magnetic coil, I think, effectively, that alters the um, the current and a couple of other bits in, in th- that circuit to generate the noise. So your hand movements literally translate into volume pitch and it can be used into, in terms of... Um, with the theremin, you can get like a vibrato effect, so it can be played like a proper musical instrument. Uh, my app is not quite like that. It, but it is probably about about as close as you can get in terms of sort of playing with the um, the depth data in quite a fairly simple way. So if you lay the phone out flat, um, so the camera's facing up, the depth data from the front-facing camera on the iPhone X, um, etc., anything that's got Face ID, translates into those things. So it translates into volume or pitch. And you, with two hands over the top, you can control it very similar to to a theremin. So that could quite easily translate into like a social kind. You imagine you got like a gathering of friends or something, and one of you has the app. That could quite easily be the sort of thing. Oh, you know, let me have a go, and they sort of shuffle the phone on the table towards them, and they have a go, and then someone else grabs it. it it's very much one of those things, isn't it? Where you could, yeah, have it, have it as a party piece almost on your phone, and you know, have a play, have some fun with it. Um, yeah, part of me thinks people would pay like just ninety nine p or cent for that. Um, just have a look; it's it's possible. Um, I guess I was only thinking about uh, free and an app purchase from a sense of I've not got that with my existing apps, and so this would be be an opportunity to give that a look. Uh, but but yeah, no, you're probably right. To be honest with you, is is actually to just be a nominal payment could be the better thing with this just just like a token kind of party piece style app um i think yeah i'm, I'm just thinking back to when i was obviously developing armchair that uh, for those that don't know remote control for cody that i once developed um that was free within app purchase and i i still maintain that my kind of value proposition was quite strong in that if you unlock the premium features the app did an awful lot more and it did a reasonable amount out of the box as well yeah, but even even then, my conversion rates stank, absolutely stank. Um, Actually, getting people across the line when they were using the app. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Um, yeah, I mean that again. That could just be because I was essentially trying to sell something to people that use Cody, and maybe people that use Cody aren't willing to pay for much in the first place. Hence, they use Cody. But <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, um, but possibly. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I kind of think maybe there is something there with yours, you know, being that sort of novelty 99p thing. Um, yeah, possibly. I'm, not sh- I'm trying to think if I downloaded it for free, would I would I pay to like unlock a, an extra noise or a sound? Yeah. Probably not, because I think the value that I get from the app, I could get from the freeness just in that it's a laugh to mess around with and play, you know, show your friends and that kind of thing. And then that's it, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Feel free to completely not listen to me on this. <laughs> just, I'm kind of thinking out loud here, having heard this for the first time. You've probably thought about this a lot more for a lot longer. but Not on that level, no. To be honest with you, this has been very much more just thinking about getting it out there and, and, and being okay. um, almost it being kind of portfolio piece, I guess, in some ways. Uh, but 
equally, there's nothing stopping me from from being paid up front to begin with, and then going freemium later on. Uh, yeah, that, and that in in the option. first instance, if you want to kind of like ride the wave of press and app store stuff, you could always like have sales where you put it on sale for you know, a couple of days, and then it comes off a sale and goes back to being paid. I remember with um, one of my other apps, again, no longer in the store, but uh, Space Readers, that was paid up front. And I put it on sale for a weekend and someone picked up on it and I got like 30,000 downloads in on like in like a day or two days. Right. Um, and then I put the price up and then I could, I, there was still that momentum behind it. Okay. And obviously wherever it was being listed as hey this app's gone free enough people were still hitting my app store page afterwards um i mean it wasn't like loads of money it was it was still kind of like pizza money but it was pizza money i wouldn't have had had it just remained at the full price and not dipped to free and then gone back up to full price yep um there's something to be said for that that's um that's something to think about i i that whole side of stuff to be honest with this app has not been the the sort of primary motivation for getting it done um, so it's yeah, it's very much still in the uh, it's an afterthought in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. But now that I'm here and now that I'm ready to sort of release it, um, yeah, it does bear bear giving it that thought and thinking this through just a little bit more sort of live right now. Um, the experience of a, a crappy conversion rate and not really getting any any sort of sales and that sort of stuff. I've had that before with my my sticker app. Uh, for right. iMessage, that that was a lot of effort to sort of pull it together, released it, launched it, gave it a good push, and then yeah, in-app purchases were just the wrong model for that medium. Crickets. Um, yep, with 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 a sticker app or an iMessage app, I think of almost any nature, it, it's an impulse buy, and you don't get another chance to convert the customer afterwards un- unless you're otherwise providing value to them with a, a regular app outside of iMessage. Yeah, um, that's my worry with what you're doing. I think the impulse will be kind of neutralized once they've had the free experience of the app. Yeah. And then you've almost you've almost got to climb that hill again, haven't you? Yeah. To get them to spend within the app again. That's a very good point because in app purchase does assume that, you know, your customer cares about the app and and is sort of engaged and in there enough to sort of hit that that kind of prompt. So yeah, <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm throwing a spanner in the works here at like the the eleventh hour. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would take taking in your business model, <laughs> taking in a purchase out after the fact is a lot easier than putting it back in at this point in stage. That's true. Yeah, yeah, That's very true. Because it's, it's actually quite a quite a bit of work, isn't it, to do do it all? I think the the in app purchase flow itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems um, like it should be a trivial thing, but actually, once you dig into it, it's quite a bit there. I mean, obviously, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Obviously, like, loads of people do it, and yeah. it's totally possible. But, it's, yeah, same with subscriptions, in a way. I always feel like that should almost be a tick box in iTunes Connect. Like, is this app a subscription? Yes, it is. How? What period is it? Monthly, yearly, weekly, whatever? Mm. And what price is it? Set that in iTunes Connect. And I always feel like Apple should handle that in its entirety. Yeah. All the, all the cancellations, all the renewals, and then yeah, they just forward you the seventy percent or eighty five percent if it's a you know the second year's worth of money. Yeah, I, I, and again, that's probably better for the user as well because then you've got like a unified kind of UI whenever the user interacts with that subscription UI. It's almost like oh, I've seen this before. I know what it is. I'm not scared by it or anything like that. 
Whereas, you know, if, it, if it's left to the developer on an app-by-app basis, there's the potential for it to become almost like DVD menus, where every DVD's got a different style of menu to get to the movie. Yeah, and you see a bit of that in terms of how apps sort of present that, that screen and, and the choices to you, right? You know, you see that. Yeah. that and that's how you end up with these apps that have got... Um, quite a dark pattern or whatever in terms of how they funnel people towards the subscription um i I downloaded one the other day and it was like it was completely useless until you'd gone through the subscription flow and even then there wasn't an ability to cancel out or get any value from the app other than i've seen the screen that that tells me i should have a subscription Right, <laughs> and I don't think that's really within App Store guidelines. This feels like maybe somebody had done a bit of a bait and switch with the app, you know, like releasing it in one form, and then kind of, you know, releasing it later on, and and just hoping you you go go under the radar with the App Store review a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, it really didn't feel right. Uh, not going to name and shame it, but but yeah, it was load the app up and and very very hard nudge straight into the the subscription yeah Uh, i mean to me i think the developers should be able to have their own sort of page where they can pitch it you know here's why you should have our subscription and here's all the cool features and you know we should be able to pitch that however we see fit you know lay it out nicely and explain the features clearly but i think as soon as you hit yeah sign me up or you know hit the button to say yes i'm going to do this it's almost like then you should be you should get like generic Apple subscription interface that Apple provide. Mm. And then Apple then take over the flow and then drop you back into the app with a token to say, yes, this person went through with it or no, they didn't. And then you can just handle that accordingly. Um, yeah. Cause it is actually quite a lot, isn't it? Cause you can, when I, I was considering doing it on um, my Kodi remote at one point, thinking maybe a subscription model would be the way to go. And I looked into what the implementation would take and it was, quite involved you could even end up uh valid you have to validate receipts and you can either do that on the device or you can do it on your own server and then that means you've got to set up your own server and it's like blimey i i, I didn't think it was going to be this involved um <laughs> you know i just got i went into it naively thinking there'd be a tick box in itunes connect and, and that would be that be most of it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah wish list item for w for dub dub so i've not looked into it in that depth for um for subscriptions to be honest with you yeah it's pretty pretty hardcore i spoke to ish about it at the time um because i know he was um he sort of developed in that way before and so i sort of reached out to him and said you know hey what what do you think about this and yeah the conclusion i kind of came to having spoken to him is that you would do it you do receipt validation on the server on your own server server side um because then it's harder for sort of you know jailbreakers and that to get access to your subscribed content without them having subscribed. Yep. Um, or if, if you do it on device, that makes it much easier for them to do that. Um, so essentially it's a question of, do you mind people maybe not paying for the subscription if they've jailbroken their phones and they can sort of hack around it? Yeah. And the conclusion I drew was actually that's that's kind of non-trivial, actually. First of all, to jailbreak your phone. Second of all, to target my app to be one that you want to try and you know go around the subscription um, in order to get access to the premium features without having subscribed. It's like, you know what, that's quite a lot of effort to go to. Yep. Um, and equally, it's quite a lot of effort for me to go to to start running a server to start doing my own receipt validation server side. 
So I kind of thought, well, if I'm going to do it at all, I'll just do it on device and, and live with it. That you know, maybe one in 20 or 30 might sort of not be paying. Yep. And just leave it at that, really. Fair in enough. the end, I didn't go through with it, so it's kind of all of this is mute. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it struck me. It just, yeah, it stopped me in my tracks. Like, wow, this is quite involved. Yeah, there's a similar element to that, actually, with um, in-app purchases and validating those in a yeah. sense. Yeah, you can actually do a level of receipt validation and have your own server there for that, I believe. Um, and on devices, less secure and how you how you store and process the 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 fact that the in-app purchase has been made as well opens up a whole other sort of vector as to how people could hack or mess around with your app yeah. you know if, if if somebody but i kind of engage the logic of it really does like you said before it depends on what you're offering and, and the level of hassle somebody's going to have to go through to actually get there for me there's almost an element when i did it with the the sticker app i felt like well if somebody's gone through that effort to get to this stage, then they can have it. Yeah, it's almost like they've earned it at that point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and and it, I would feel very differently if this was a, you know, $10 a month subscription service or something like that. I would want to protect that a lot more because you've got ongoing revenue and use of the service, server costs and all those other sort of things that the revenue is actually paying for. Um, and, and so that would change the dynamic to me and I would probably you know offering a service like that i would want to uh shore it up a lot more um but you know for a, a sticker app at a nominal fee it's like well yeah sure buddy if you feel that that strongly about having it for free then go for it i don't care be my guest <laughs> yeah yeah and in terms of where i'm at with stuff at the moment with air synth though um yeah i probably should consider whether i want to release it as as a nominal sort of paid up front versus an in-app purchase it would change a couple of other things in the app uh but it would perhaps change it for the better you know every, everybody gets the all singing all dancing version as well so there's that and you could even potentially drive some press to it in the initial run where you know it's free for the first three days or four days or whatever yeah, and then that could build some momentum within the iTunes store, and then when you do switch to paid, you can kind of ride on that momentum to actually get the paid versions, and end up making more overall than had you just gone paid up front from the start. Yeah, potentially. So there's that element to it too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, that's something for me to think about a little bit more. Um, yeah, at, definitely. At this stage, uh, I'm probably. I'm at least a week away from having the app through App Store review. So there's a decision there to be made as to what that that final build of the app is. Uh, but if I think paid up front is a go, editing that will take me all of like an hour or so on an evening, I think, to just sort of rip out what's there and make sure the flow is still decent. Because uh, I've, I've not done anything to really hard nudge people into it in the onboarding. Um, or anything like that, you know, you, you kind of just straight into the app and then you only get nudged to pay by the fact that some of the voices are locked out. Um, so again, that I mean, that would stand against my favour as well in terms of actually getting payment uh, because mm. discovery of the fact that you, you could pay is a, a little bit buried. Um, right, so most users may not even realise they could pay. Yeah, or, or to be honest with you, at the time they, they, they hit, the in-app purchase request, it doesn't necessarily really stop them from doing very much. 
Uh, so there's not necessarily a pressure to pay either. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of that to one side though, this, this is very much the sort of final stages, you know, I've got through my, my really gnarly bugs, uh, the UI and everything is doing what I want it to do. Uh, I've actually been more, like I say, in this kind of final stage of, of bringing everything together uh, to, to launch. And so for me, the, I've, I've ended up in the last week or so kind of stuck in this uh, this little bit of gridlock just getting together the landing page. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm through that now. Uh, but every time I've launched an app, it's been a case of do I go with WordPress? Do I, you know, use something like Google Sites even? I had that suggested to me. The answer to that is no, I'd rather not. Um, but, you know, there's, there's all these different services you could use for putting a, a web page together. Couple that with the fact that I hate web development actually, uh, in comparison to, to iOS development, there's, there's a reason I'm not a web developer. <laughs> so it's I, funny I I'm of, feeling like that more as time goes on as well. Yeah. No, so, so I've, I've sort of been, like I say, kind of gridlock just getting this together. And, and actually I fell down the rabbit hole that a lot of developers go through and, Okay, so you think about all the services I could be using uh, and just kind of, you know, setting up WordPress or kind of moving on with life in some way. And because I hate everything and I like development, even though I hate web development, what I've ended up with is developing a static page. And I'm using Bootstrap and I'm using uh, raw html although it's in php but it's generally html just with a couple of php echo statements yeah um combined with with bootstrap to sort of achieve the the look that i want and yeah it's it's a basic page um i'm not it'll be out in the next couple of weeks and people can take a look it's not got lots of fancy effects or anything like that on it It it's literally just a, a kind of this is the app this is what it does uh and and here's some screenshots and i've I've got it in a general kind of landing page sort of flow so you just scroll top to bottom and it'll tell you everything about the app uh and to be honest with you the, the key thing that it lets people see is I've, I've made a video and so there's there's an embedded youtube um video at the top of the site uh, so people can actually see it in use so that's, that's that's kind of the landing page. Now that I've gotten to sort of having it done, it's, it feels really quite basic, and I'm kind of like, well, okay, was it really worth all that time sort of setting it up and, and, and doing it myself? Uh, but the long and the short of it is, is I, I knew I was going to do it anyway. Really, there was really only one way it was going to end up. Yeah, and you know, if down the road, even when I say down the road, we could be talking two weeks, three weeks, four weeks after launch. You think, oh, I want to change this. I want to make that better. You can. Yes. Yeah, that's what, you know, as soon as you said, oh, I use Bootstrap and more or less just raw HTML with a bit of PHP, I kind of breathed a sigh of relief on your behalf. I think that's a really sensible place to land because uh, Bootstrap is awesome, really, when you think about it as a, as a free resource. It's incredible. And it doesn't, a little can go a long way with Bootstrap, I find. Yeah. In terms of a little bit of, you know, bit of design, a little bit of skill, and you can get a good result reasonably quickly. So, and it, it kind of, leaves you in that empowered position where you are still in complete control of it. Yep. 
because there's a lot of other solutions where you can probably get the same result quicker but you're not in complete control of that web page and you'll hit the limits of whatever system it is that has built that website on your behalf yes so given that you're already an ios developer i think yeah although it may not be your favorite i'm sure you're completely competent with some html um pretty much and given that we've got these resources like bootstrap i think you know make make good use of them i think you've uh yeah, you've landed where I would have landed. Um, well, I'm, I'm in the same position as you. I'm doing landing pages at the moment still for for a read list that I'm still kind of plugging away at. So, yeah, I'm, like yourself, using Bootstrap and more or less raw HTML, although the page will live within a WordPress site, but this page in particular will just be like a raw HTML page. So right. yeah, I guess we've landed in similar places there. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's um one one thing I've I've done with it as well is I've set it up in such a way that I've got like a config file. Um so if you think about like a landing page, um a lot of landing pages are quite generic and this one certainly is in terms of like you've got a a header header, you know, lead image, that sort of thing. Um yep. You know, each section has got like a, each section as you read down the page has got a header and then some body text. And what I've done with that is I've actually codified that as um, I've got a config PHP file. And each one of these things is is an array object inside of that. And what that means is, is that the page itself is pretty static in terms of it's, it's kind of like when you use localized strings in an iOS app. Right. Yeah, for, um, if you think of the config file as being my strings file with everything inside of it, the the page itself is just a um, the the vehicle for the sections and the display side of the app. So if I wanted to change any of the text, if I wanted to copy and paste this and spin this up for a different app, for example, which is a very very strong likelihood, um, then all I have yeah. to do is is edit the config page, change some of the key colors in the CSS file. Uh, and change the screenshots and images, which I would have to do anyway. But I don't need to worry about the formatting of the uh, of the static page itself very much. So oh, that's, that's that, cool. that, yeah, that um, I mean, we'll see. Like templating like that only really pays off if you're actually going to spin up a few different things. Uh, but I can use it immediately to refresh and update the site that I've got for the sticker app. So. It, it, it yeah, does kind cool of idea. yeah two birds one stone sort of thing with this is it's kind of a good idea are you using um scss or sas or less with your css or is it just raw css raw css okay i was gonna say another la- la- layer you could take that to is using like compiled css so writing sas code or less code that then gets compiled into css right you almost have a config file for like you know primary color secondary color and then when you come to make the new site just change those variables and then it gets compiled and yeah you've basically got a config file for your css if you were to look at it like that right um which is it's funny listening to you talk it's like we're doing exactly the same thing (laughs) (laughs) because obviously i did the landing page last year for project synapse and i've basically taken a copy of that changed the config file as in like the css config file because i'm using sas Change all the colors, change the fonts, and now I've got a you know like a, another landing page that's almost done before I've started. Really, um, yeah. All I've got to do is sort of fill in the blanks for the content. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth doing that. It's one of those things, isn't it, where 
a little goes a long way with, with that kind of thing. It's, it's, yeah. one, it's You could easily fall down a rabbit hole and sort of you know, abstract everything and atomize everything to the nth degree. And actually you could just spend like weeks on it and it's like, oh, is it worth it for a silly landing page? But I think given the tool set we've got, such as Bootstrap, such as uh, SAS, and even just a, a bit of lightweight PHP in terms of your config file, yeah, that doesn't take a lot to get going, does it? No, not really. And the, 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 the dividends are almost instant. And the point of this for me is that when I come back to it in the future and I want to update the site or spin up another landing page for another app, if it is fairly simple, you know, it's these raw things plus a couple of little bits to config it, then it's going to be much, much easier for me to pick back up at that point in time. Because what happens is, is I don't code websites for a living. You know, this isn't my bread and butter. I'm not doing it every day. So I'll, I'll be, you know, another year, another few months or whatever down the line programming every day in Swift. And I come back to it and I'm like, oh, I hate web development. <laughs> and if it, so if it is easy, you know, if it's fairly simply laid out and the extra config steps themselves are sort of fairly simple, then future Dave will sort of look at that and go, okay, I don't like this, but actually I've saved myself some time. And, and that that's the point. Because the problem I have with WordPress sites is that every single time it becomes a case of how how did this theme work? What were the config settings for this specific nice bit of the, the theme that you know was the reason that I set it up on WordPress and bought the theme in the first place? Every time between sort of, you know, when I released it, when I put it up, and then when I come back, I've forgotten because I'm not using it. And and so that's sort of like, you know, onboarding myself again into that headspace and that state of mind just to sort of get, you know, something out of my website to config something. Uh, It's a grind and I dislike it every single time. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny. Like you say about not liking web development, I, I still, I feel the same now really. And it's an odd thing to say given that until... 2017 i was a web developer for like five years and yeah i think i'm just kind of over it in a way Um, Mm. i I, yeah just doing this landing page it's it's taking me longer than it should and that frustrates me because like you say i haven't done any serious web development now in quite a long time so there's that ramp up period of time and i just don't enjoy it as much as, as like when i coding swift or i'm actually making the app i'm like yeah this is cool i'm I'm liking this um but when it comes to the web stuff yeah i I feel like now i i identify as not a web developer right that took a long time for that to happen like even this time last year if someone asked me what i did i'd say oh i'm a web developer even though i'm not doing much of it at the minute that's how i self-identified yeah so yeah it's a strange thing but now i think i'm I'm over it now, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm no longer a web developer. But I still kind of do it a bit for myself, like for my own sites and landing pages in support of my apps. Yeah. That is it. That's kind of it's just it's a means to an end. So, yeah, with, with the website and sort of setting things up in a you know, config kind of format and that side of stuff, what I'm trying to do is sort of save my future self time you know, in terms of just editing a string in the the site or spinning up another landing page or that sort of thing. Uh, And so I'm kind of engaging all of this sort of stuff at the moment with that kind of lens on it. You know, in terms of my press release, um, I'm trying to format that in such a way that I could think about reusing it as somewhere to start again for another app. 
Um, also, one of these things is um, I've hit that point of app, app Store review where I need all the screenshots for all of the devices. Uh, certainly, if I want to make it sort of look nice, I know you can sort of just tick the box for um, like just using the bare minimum of, of sizes and then they get scaled for some of the other devices. Uh, but I don't really want to do that with this app. So I've reached that point where if I want three, four, five screenshots, it's never just three or four or five screenshots. It's that many times with different devices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a pain. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of exploring at the moment. What do I do to, to automate that? And where I've landed with that is I'm using, um, fast lane and I'm right. using fast lane plus a tool called snapshot, uh, which fast lane comes with, uh, which lets you generate screenshots, uh, from UI tests. Ooh, so cool. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a UI test for each screenshot that I want the app to have. Uh, and then at the end step of that UI test, once it's at the, uh, the position in the app that I want and it's set up is to take that screenshot, uh, wrap that up in a, a fast lane step and, um, yeah, off it goes. It, it's very there. cool. It's really, yeah. I didn't even know that cool. existed. Um, I mean, I'd heard of fast lane, but I didn't know that it could do that with the, what was that tool you said? Uh, um, snapshot. snapshot. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And so what, what does Fastlane do besides that? Because I feel like I kind of know what it is, but I don't know what it is. In that I've okay. never used it. So broadly, Fastlane handles uh, Xcode build automation. And so that means it will build your project and it can then do that for many different devices. For example, you could, you could have a Fastlane setup that's, that's literally just to sort of spin up simulators or something like that. Um, but the, the usual use of it is to build your app for you and submit it all the way through to the App Store or to Test Flight or to another service like App Center. And one of the beauties with Fastlane is that it will, uh, if you um, set it up in the right way, it can actually do things like managing your certificates and um, your build your um, build profiles as well for you. So if you've got a project that, for example, that's got a, uh, a development scheme, a development, a, a QA scheme and a production scheme for building different flavors of the app, uh, then you can use Fastlane to build any one of those and then send the build to the appropriate service. Hmm. So there's many, many different things that I think you can use Fastlane for overall. You know, you can link it to a, um, a continuous integration suite and that sort of stuff as well. You can have it run your unit tests for you. Uh, but if you imagine all of the stuff that you might want to sort of put a, a wrapper around and start scripting to work with Xcode build and that sort of stuff, uh, Fastlane gives you a, a process that's a bit easier to deal with all of that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. That sounds cool. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we use uh, Fast, I use Fastlane um, in my regular job with Paperkite. Uh, because it enables us to to do that that I was talking about in terms of managing different flavors of, of an app. Uh, a, a good example of that would be that um, we, we've used services like App Center and Hockey App um, to distribute ad hoc builds of the app for testing and that side of stuff. 
Um, so you can use Fastlane, you can wrap it all up in, in that. And then if I want to send a build all the way through to QA, I can literally just type Fastlane QA from the terminal in, in the root of the app's projects, and then off it goes. Wow, that sounds cool. Yeah. So is that free then, Fastlane? Is it a- yeah. Yeah, it's free. Huh. I might have to look into that. <laughs> But yeah, super cool. So I've, I've sort of set that up and all I'm using it for at this stage is to generate the screenshots. So I don't care about sort of submitting it up to the app store and that sort of stuff. It could handle all of that for me, but actually I want to do that manually this time. Right. So yeah, Fastlane plus snapshots will give me automated screenshots. And I'm having to do one or two things with the app as well to sort of make sure that it drops into the right state. Um, if you think about this, the, the app uses the front-facing camera and it receives depth data from that front-facing camera. And the only way that I can currently get a nice view of my hand or something controlling the app is on my own device, on a real device. And so Fastlane is automating all of this with the simulator. I have no means of, of setting up a dummy shot with the hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what I'm doing with this um, is that I'm using the um, I'm using a build configuration uh, set up in the project at the top level that sort of says, okay, this build configuration is screenshots with the camera, and then that means that I can set up a, a particular build scheme, um, which is just my app being built with that build configuration, and then when Fastlane runs. Fastlane picks the scheme that it is building your app against. And so that means that when it runs, the app is being run through that scheme with that build configuration and only that for the screenshots. So it's Mm -hmm. not the same build exactly as my production app. And that also means that with the build configuration, I can set um, some additional compiler flags. So I've got a compiler flag that, that says that we are in screenshot mode. And then I can use that within the code of the app to, you know, if def a couple of things where I'll turn on a dummy picture. Um, and then that means that by the time the app is put into the state where it takes a screenshot, it'll have a dummy picture of my my hand or whatever as, as if it's being uh-huh. controlled on that device. Cool. Yeah, so, so that's that's kind of the idea. And and equally I've got a I've got another schema that is screenshots, no camera. Uh, because if it's ran on the older devices that don't have the the front facing um, true depth camera, uh, then all you get is you get the sliders to control the app. You don't get um, the the depth control at all. So mm-hmm. the screenshots for those devices should show that version of the app because you're never going to get the depth input on on those devices. That's quite cool. I like that. I like how you approach that. Um, again, like screenshots are always like the bane of my life when with armchair having to do all the different. I think it ended up being like 25 or 30 separate screenshots in the end. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. And I always thought yeah. to myself, there's, there's got, I'm sure there's a way to do this, but you know when you're like in the thick of it and you just want to get through it and you don't want to think about how you're going to cleverly build your way out of this problem? Yep. You just go into that mode where you just like, you know, wading through treacle, you just get through it. I always found myself doing that. And by the end of the project, when it came time to do screenshots, I was kind of exhausted anyway. Yeah. And it would just be like, oh, I'll just... I don't have it in me right now to to kind of go through this setting up process of how to automate all this stuff 
and yeah i just did it the hard way all the time and that was foolish of me when i look back on it i think i should have spent put more into it, it you know and hopefully got more out of it in in the long run it's tricky though because because automating this is a stack of skills as well combined you know this this is easier for me to do now because i know about things like the build configuration and, and setting up the schemes and that sort of stuff right so that doesn't phase me um it would have done when i released go vj you know right. for, so three and a half uh, nearly four years ago now that at that point uh, in time I, I wasn't using that sort of setup uh you know the idea of having like a dev builder qa builder prop builder i didn't need it it was just a build the one that's running on my phone or in the simulator that's it um so you know that 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 knowledge helps me then set this up um doing unit testing and ui testing and that sort of stuff um having that knowledge lets me set up the the automation that snapshot uses and then having used fastlane in my my day job regularly um that means that then setting up the automation that it offers with snapshot is easier for me as well so there's a stack of things there that are all easier for me to do now than they would have been when i was first starting out and each one of them would have been you know sit down and learn and 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 kind of take the time to then then find out about those things so yeah this is a bit of an irony is this that obviously this is something that that you know helps me do this again and again and it's something that that makes my life easier uh but actually being able to access it and do it is is only easier because i've put the work in elsewhere as well and put that time in so yeah uh, i mean you know you say it's the hard route and you sort of did that but actually i think that's pretty normal because you know like say all these other skills are, are, are other parts of time to sort of learn it's not just turning it on it's not just automated um, and that that frustrates me it sort of feels like the the tooling from apple in xcode could perhaps support something like this just a little easier um you know like taking a, a screenshot from a ui test sort of feels like well um it's cool that snapshot exists but it feels like this is something that xcode should do for me you feel like it shouldn't have to exist yeah 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 and and, and you know there's arguments to be made that um the same thing applies to fastlane as well after a point um although you know i do really appreciate fastlane and i really appreciate the fact that it is third party in some ways because it means it can be developed quicker and and better potentially than something apple might put out by default uh yeah but yeah the, these these things are a sort of you know you, you build on a a stack of skills as you develop as a developer um so yeah i don't think i could have done this a few years ago but anyway i'm, I'm doing it now and hopefully it's going to sort of pay me back you know as time goes on the, the great thing about this is if i change something in the ui you know i decide to change a, a piece of text or i change a color for example yeah. and, and that you know tweak the blue that i'm using in the app and suddenly i've got 30 40 odd screenshots i've got to go and do all over again in theory it should be as simple as just running fast lane screenshots and off it goes uh so, fingers crossed <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully that's it <laughs> well hopefully yeah. it'll be one of those where you you know you get out what you put in um yeah it sounds like it's like you've put in the time and effort to learn this. I'm kind of tempted to have a go myself now, actually, now I've been talking to you about it. Once you get um, going, it's quite fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like I'm in a position now where I can. Um, you know, what with iOS being where it is in my life now versus what it was, 
Um, I'm not relying on it to put food on the table, so I feel like I can take my time and and learn things more, sort of like this. Um, you know, learn things more in depth versus quickly trying to learn the surface level stuff in yeah. order just to quickly get by. Um, so that's kind of one of the luxuries I have at the minute, and I fully intend to take advantage of that. So, and, and this sounds like it could be one of those, one of those things that fits the bill. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. That's uh, yeah. It's, I think it's certainly good to to be in that position and being able to put in the time and sort of explore these things just that little bit more. And yeah, I mean, for me with with this app, that really is what it is about as well. I'm not trying to sell you know a product that's going to put food on the table or anything like that. It's it's not really that's not the point. Um, and, and this whole side of stuff, releasing an app and that, that, and doing the screenshots and bringing together the marketing, the landing page, all of those things. These are things that I don't have to do in my regular day job at the moment. I'm doing the iOS dev and, and that's it. Um, and, and these, these bits, uh, I feel like it's, it's good for me to know how they work, you know, because it makes me within my regular day job, it makes me a better iOS developer, I think, because I will also understand, well, okay, when the release manager puts things through to app store review, this is the current state of play. You know, when we've got to get screenshots together for, for a client's project, that side of things, I now understand, well, do you know what? If there's a particularly difficult project that in terms of taking lots of different screenshots for it, I'll now know how to automate that. You know, and that'll be a skill I can take away as well. So, yeah, this this is very much a project where it doesn't matter to me if it takes a little bit, bit longer to then come out the other end with a few things learnt and a few things I can reapply and kind of reuse elsewhere. That That, that is kind of the point of it, really. Uh, but yeah, I, I've, to be honest with you, I, I'm now at the stage where I'm just looking forward to kind of having all of this done and the app is sort of in there in the world and people can just take it and, and play with it. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRpodcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z, and you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.com.